Good morning, ladies. It is so good to be back with you and uh, get to teach God's Word with you. It feels like old times today, and so it's good to, to be back up here. Well, if I were to ask you to describe the resurrection of Jesus without using any words, but only a punctuation mark, what would you use? I'm so glad y'all said that. Because I was going to say, what would you use a, a period? It's kind of like, well, okay, it happened. And now we're on. We, we, it happened and we're in the next chapter. Or would it be a comma where you pause every year on Easter weekend and you celebrate it, but then you move on until the next time? Or would it be a question mark? Well, I've got some questions about it, and, you know, I, I, yes, I think it happened, but, gosh, I don't really understand it. Or would it be an exclamation point? Celebrate the resurrection. He is risen. And that's what I pray for us. That if, if I were, well, I'm going to give you one challenge from this lesson, and that is celebrate the resurrection, exclamation point. He is risen. You know, to, the other thing too is not that we would celebrate it just once a year. Don't, don't just wait till Easter weekend to celebrate it. But celebrate the resurrection every day. You know, I'd love to just start getting in the habit of waking up in the morning and going, God, thank you that you're risen. And so we're going to talk about today, I want to encourage us to celebrate the resurrection every day. But I want to also give you three things to help you do that. Three things to celebrate, to help you celebrate the resurrection. And the first is celebrate the reality. How do we know that it's fact and not fiction? How do we know that the, the resurrection really happened? Well, the Bible gives us evidence. And I'm going to give you three pieces of evidence that we find in Scripture just to remind us and to help us understand that it, it is fact, it's not fiction. And the first piece of evidence is the empty tomb. You read in Mark 16 this week and other passages, you know, the women went to the tomb three days after the, the crucifixion. They went to prepare the body and they found an empty tomb. He was risen. Now, of course, there was doubts from the disciples at first. They weren't sure until they actually saw for themselves and there's a lot of theories that people have thrown out there about, oh, but it's not true. You've heard all these, the swoon theory. Well, he didn't really die. He just passed out. And we put him in the grave and, you know, he woke up. He, he got strong enough that he pushed that stone aside. Well, Dawn explained the... the the pain of the crucifixion last week and how horrifying it is. And they even put a sword in his side. I mean, there's no way that you could go through that crucifixion and go through what he went through and then all of a sudden just wake up 
and push this heavy stone aside. So that doesn't carry any weight. Another theory is that, well, the disciples stole the body. And that would help their cause, yes. But why would they go on to give their lives for a lie? They went out and they preached. We're going to study the book of Acts next week. They, with power, preached the resurrection of Christ. Even to the point they went to prison, they were persecuted. Why would you do that? It was a lie. So that doesn't carry any weight. Another theory is that the Roman soldiers stole his body, but um, they, you know, they, 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 uh, that would have helped the case for the resurrection. If they had stolen the body, that wouldn't have defended their saying that he was not resurrected. It would prove the resurrection. So anyway. Uh, those theories are not, they, they don't carry any weight. But another piece of evidence in the Bible, besides the empty tomb, is his appearances. He appeared to people, 1 Corinthians 15, 5 to 8, and I didn't put it up here, but um, he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more, appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, talking about Paul. Did they all make this up? I mean, did they all come up with this story that was the same, even though they weren't all together at the same time? The 500 witnesses were together, the disciples, but his appearances came at different times, in different places. All these people just made up this same story that, yeah, Jesus is alive. That doesn't really carry much weight. And then a third piece of evidence in um, the Bible is to change lives of the witnesses. And again, we're going to look at the book of Acts next week. And we read how these same people who were depressed and Peter denied him before the crucifixion, all of a sudden, they're out there boldly proclaiming Christ. They're going to prison. They die for him. Stephen was stoned to death. Paul came to Christ and gave his life. All the, why would they have done that? I mean, their lives were changed. Changed lives are evidence of his resurrection. Why would you go through persecution and death for something that was just a lie if you weren't convinced of the resurrection? When I was a student at LSU, and I was a junior and not walking with the Lord at the time, but a guy I was dating that was a Christian had invited me to go hear Josh McDowell, who spoke at LSU. Campus Crusade brought him in for three nights. And I went to hear Josh, and the very first night he gave his testimony, and he told us how he, you know, had some Christian friends, but he was set out, he thought, I'm going to show them that this is a bunch of malarkey. And he tried to disprove all these things, prophecies and other things, especially the resurrection. But he said, the more I tried to disprove it, I couldn't. And the more I realized that I cannot find any proof that it's not true, he 
He wanted to know this risen Savior. And so he came to Christ. And his testimony made a huge impact in my life as I heard him share that and saw just who this man had become. So there's evidence in the Bible that the resurrection is true. We need to celebrate the reality. It's true. But a question I want you to ponder from that is, is your life evidence that he's risen, that he lives in you? When people look at you, do they see evidence of a risen God, Christ in you, or do they see the world in you? Through your words, your actions. Let's be evidence that he's risen. Let people see that difference. That's what this guy I told you about that I was dating at LSU. um, He was a Christian and I was a Christian. And I couldn't figure out what is it about your life that's so vibrant with the Lord? Are we doing that? Are we modeling that? So the first way we celebrate the resurrection is by celebrating the reality. The the second way is that we celebrate the significance. Why is the resurrection important? Why does it matter whether it's true or not? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons why it's significant. The first is because the resurrection is foundational to Christianity. If the resurrection was fake, there would be no Christianity. The disciples wouldn't have started the church. There would be no church. They would still be sitting in a room or walking the road to Emmaus going, oh, what do we do now? He's dead. It's over. He is, this is foundational to Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is unique to the Christian faith. There is no other religious figure who's ever predicted his resurrection and carried it out. Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, you name them, they're still in the grave or their body, the remains of their body are still in the grave. But not our Savior. It is foundational to the Christian faith. Christian Christian means Christ in one. If he's not risen, he's not in us. There would be no Christianity. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 that you looked at this week. Paul says this to the Corinthian church. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain or worthless. Your faith also is vain. Verse 17, he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. If Christ is still in the tomb, we have no relationship with the living Lord because he's dead. There is no relationship. It is foundational to the Christian life, to Christianity. The second reason it's significant is because it's proof Jesus is who he said he was. The resurrection validates that he is God, that he is God's son. 
His claims are true. They're not lies. Romans 1.4, and I like the way it's written in the New Living Translation. It says, And he, Jesus, was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The resurrection showed that Jesus is the Son of God. That's why it's, it's significant to the faith. It proved that what he said was true and who he said he was is true. And then the third reason that the resurrection is significant. It is one of the four pillars of the gospel, of the gospel message. If you want just a little paragraph nugget of the gospel, turn to, you know, you can find it in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5. And that's where I'll always go if I want to just show somebody in a nutshell the gospel. I'll read it and then we'll just... Uh, look at it a little closer. But he said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to, and then he goes on and talks about the men that we just read earlier. Four pillars of the Christian, the gospel message are found in this verse. And the first one is that Christ died for our sins. The second one, Christ was buried. Third, Christ was raised. And fourth, he appeared, which was more evidence that of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the gospel message is incomplete. Now, you may ask... Um, well, Cricket, wasn't the death of Jesus enough to pay the penalty for our sins? I mean, he died on the cross. I mean, couldn't that have been enough? Couldn't we have stopped there? Did we really need the resurrection? And I, I've been thinking about that this week, and I spent some time researching and looking at it. But yes, we needed the resurrection because they, there are two things that go together. You can't have one without the other. The 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 penalty was paid on the cross with the blood of Christ. But it's validated by the resurrection. It's that proof, that validation that the Father approved it. Uh, some commentators said it's like the, the penalty was paid, the price was paid, and then the resurrection was the receipt where the Father saying, here, here's your proof. This is done. Now you, when, when people ask, the resurrection is the proof that the penalty's paid. So you need them both. You can't just stop with the death of Christ. There's another verse that talks about, and I didn't write it down, that talks about we're justified as a result of the resurrection. I mean, we are just. It is the Father saying, I approve. That, that penalty is paid. That price is paid. So we need them both. It's part of the gospel message. 
So we've looked at two ways that we can celebrate the resurrection. First, we need to celebrate the reality. Second, celebrate the significance. But third, celebrate the impact. And this is where I want to bring it down to application, everyday application. And this is where we're going to finish our time together. Celebrate the impact. What difference does it make in your life that Christ is resurrected? What difference does a resurrection make? How does it impact your life today? How would your life be different if there were no resurrection and Christ was still in the grave? Well, I want to give you five ways that it impacts our lives and to make it easy for you to remember which I need, I'm going to give you five key words, and they all start with the letter P. And even driving in this morning, I am going through these five things, thanking God for these five things. And I hope that you can remember them and, and think through them every day. But the first impact that it makes in our lives is presence. Because of the resurrection... His presence dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. You know, he told his disciples that he needed to go away so that he could send the helper. And in John 15, 7, he said, But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. John 14, 16 to 17, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. In verse 17, that is the spirit of truth. He abides with you and will be in you. We have the presence of God living in us 24-7 because of the resurrection. That's the way it impacts our lives. I mean, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Spirit living in them. They had to go meet with God somewhere. He is with us every day. We're never alone. So the question is, do you embrace His presence? Or do you ignore it? Do you say, God, thank you that I am never alone. You are with me in this decision. You are with me in this hard time. Thank you, God. The resurrection impacts our life because we have his presence in us as a result. A second way it impacts our lives is power. The resurrection demonstrates the power of God. The power to raise the dead. He has the power to forgive our sins. The resurrection demonstrates how powerful our God is. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. And again, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. He says, Paul's telling the Ephesian church, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. You know, he's praying that they would 
grasp the greatness of God's power. And do you realize that it's that same power that lives in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit? And we need to never get to that place that we think, oh God, I got this. I was talking to his friends today. We never want to get to that place that we feel like, I got this, God, I can handle this on my own. But that every day, God, I need your power to do this. And there are times we're going to be faced and we're thinking, I can't do this, Lord. But remember, yes, I can because I've got the power of my God living in me who can do whatever he wants to through me. Now, I'm not saying you can go and raise the dead or heal a body. But whatever God calls us to go through or to accomplish, we have the power to do that through his Holy Spirit. So the presence and the power. Last year, uh, many of you probably heard him, uh, George Murray, who's going to be our mission speaker this weekend. George Murray uh, spoke here at First Evan, and he spoke on the topic of reasoning from the greater to the lesser. Do y'all remember that talk? Yeah. From the, uh, reasoning from the greater to the lesser. And he reminded us that if God is powerful enough to create the universe... I mean, I was looking at the moon in the sky yesterday afternoon during the day. If God is powerful enough to create and to put all the stars, and if God is powerful enough to give us a Savior, to pay for our sins, can we not believe that God is powerful enough to take care of anything going on in our lives? And I remember I went home that day and journaled and just talked to the Lord and said, God, I'm sorry that I have not clung to that. I, I forget that. I think about all these things that, you know, in the future or, or whatever it is. But God, thank you for reminding me that you are all powerful and there's nothing that you can't do. You will take care of me. You will get me through this. That is the impact of the resurrection because we have that power in us now. What area do you need to trust that God's powerful enough in your life today? Maybe you're struggling and thinking, I don't see any way out. Oh, but God, you are powerful enough to handle this. And then the third uh, impact is promise. The resurrection gives us a promise of hope for the future. It gives us a promise of hope in so many ways. It gives us a promise of hope uh, for those that have gone before us, that we've lost. When, when we lose a loved one, we have that promise that we're going to see them again one day. They're in God's presence. We're going to be reunited. That's a promise that, that, that we can cling to because of the resurrection. Uh, it also gives us hope that you know, we don't have to dread death, although I do. I, I don't dread death. I dread the process of death. Um, but, you know, we don't need to dread it because if we have Christ as our Savior, then we have that promise that, God, I'm going to be in your presence. 
and I'm going to live with you eternally. I don't need to fear that. And someday, you know, our, we're going to be resurrected, whether we're resurrected from the grave or whether we're just given a new body when he comes back and we're still alive. There's so many promises of hope because of the resurrection. John 14, 2-3, Jesus told his disciples, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I don't know about you, but I'm clinging to that promise. And I'm telling the Lord every day, I'm so ready to see that mansion you're preparing. Um, the way our world is today, I, I, every day I was telling some friends, Lou and Shirley, yesterday at lunch, just, I'm waiting for that trumpet to sound. Um, but there's still work to be done. I don't know about you, but I, I'm clinging to that promise of our future hope. And so are you, are you clinging to that promise of that future hope, or are you letting the circumstances of our world today overshadow that and to rob you of that future hope. So we've looked so far at three ways that the resurrection impacts our lives, the presence in us of the Holy Spirit, the power that's available to us, the promise of our future, and fourth, prayer. The resurrection provides a powerful prayer warrior for us, Jesus. He is our high priest. He's interceding for us. And I tell you, that encourages me when I don't know how to pray. Knowing that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, whatever that looks like. But after he ascended, he is within the seated or whatever standing. I don't know how it looks. But... He's interceding for us. But not just, the whole, not just Jesus. We have two mighty prayer warriors. The Holy Spirit also, Romans 8, 34 tells us, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, well, this is about Jesus, who also intercedes for us. So Romans 8, 34 tells us Jesus is interceding for us. But Romans 8, 26 to 27 tells us that the Holy Spirit also, it tells us he's interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. And goes on to say he intercedes according to the will of God. Wow. He may not intercede for me saying, well, Cricket asked for this, so Father, give her this. No, he's saying, well, Cricket asked for this, but you and I both know that's not really what she needs. How does it make you feel to realize that you have got two mighty prayer warriors interceding for you? It makes me smile. I just, the thought. And then the last one is purpose. The resurrection gives our lives purpose. You know, um, 
We may sometimes wonder if we have a purpose here, if God has anything for us to do. Yeah, he does. For every believer, we have a purpose, and that purpose is to take the gospel to the world. His final words when he, after his resurrection and then when he met with the disciples before he ascended into heaven, he gave a charge, not a suggestion, but a charge, a mandate, to not just those disciples, but to all disciples for the years to come. And you're familiar with it. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our purpose to go and make disciples. And this fits so well with just what we had at our missions conference this weekend. Maybe you can't physically go now, but you can be part of it by sending, by even equipping people. That is our purpose. How are you carrying it out? And it's like they said, Pastor Antonio, this weekend, are you thinking this is for somebody else? Well, I'll let them carry it out. How are you carrying out this purpose? I think it's something we all need to spend time reflecting on. So we have his presence. We have his power. We have his promise. We have prayer warriors. And we have a purpose. So, celebrate the resurrection every day. Celebrate its reality. Celebrate its significance. Celebrate its impact. When I was living, and I'm just going to say it, um, when I was living in China, studying Mandarin, I was at a university, and I got to know a young student there, a Chinese student, and we talked about God. She brought it up and said, Shaoji, and that was my Chinese name, Shaoji, do you believe that there is a God? Yes, I do. Um, well, why? And so we talked, and we spent several months talking and trying to, I was trying to present the gospel. One day, the resurrection came up. And so I'm telling her about the resurrection, you know, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and she looked at me and with this really just kind of like, you're crazy, look on her face and said, Shaoji, you're telling me that this man, Jesus, came to this earth, but you're telling me he's God, but he came to this earth, was a man, and that he died on the cross for our sins, but then he came back to life, and he lives in you now and every other Christian and I remember sitting there going, yeah, that does sound a little out there. It, it, I, I get where you're going. And I could never help her understand it. And part of it was the cultural differences, but I thought, Lord, it does sound crazy. I mean, now when she says it that way, I thought, okay, that does sound like I'm crazy. But I, I had another Chinese um, friend who had come to Christ that year. 
and was growing like a weed. And so I was getting ready to come back to the States for a furlough at Christmas time. And I asked this friend, would you meet with this friend and explain the resurrection? Because she wants to have a personal relationship with the Lord, but she cannot get past the resurrection. She thinks I'm crazy. And she said, I'll handle it. And so they met, and I came back to the States. And it was probably a day or two before Christmas. I got a letter from my friend that I had, that thought I was crazy. Um, and she wrote, and this was back in the days. We didn't have email. We didn't have internet. So you had to write a handwritten letter and mail it. And it would take two weeks to get to you. But I got this letter. And it was from my friend. And she said, Shaoji, this Christmas, I am going to celebrate not just the birth of our, my Savior, but the resurrection. Because now I understand what you were trying to tell me. And I want a relationship with him. And I am now your sister. And we will celebrate together. The resurrection matters. Celebrate it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your resurrection. I thank you that you came for us. That you gave up your home to come here. And thank you, Father, that you didn't stay in the grave. Thank you. That you proved that you are God, that you have power to overcome death. And Father, thank you for the way that your resurrection still impacts us today. Let us never forget that. In Jesus' name, amen.